just creep our way to the end of it and see how God will bring it all to a close. Take your Bibles and open them to the book of Esther, chapter number 10. We'll just touch on the end of 9 and hop into chapter number 10, just a few verses here in this last chapter in Esther. Hadn't it been good, amen? Say with me, God is working behind us. Come on, talk to me. God is working behind us. Has he been working in your life? Hmm? If he's been working in your life, say amen. We have to be careful that we don't give the devil all the highlights. Like he's doing everything, God's just sleep and tired and frustrated and out of work. Hey, listen, God is at work. Amen. We thank him for it. As we come to the end of chapter 9, look there. Let's look at verse 29 through 32. And then let me, let me jump into chapter 10 just a moment. 9, 29, you there? Then as to the queen, that's the queen, huh? Promotion cometh not from the east or the west or the south, but God is the judge. He setteth up one and taketh down another. She began this book, Esther the orphan, adopted by Mordecai. She ends this book, Esther the queen. Won't he do it? He knows how to lift us up. The daughter of Abihel, Mordecai the Jew, wrote with all authority to confirm this letter of Purim. And we talked about this feast that's established originally to destroy, but now to represent deliverance. And he sent the letters unto all the Jews, the 127 provinces of the kingdom of Ahasuerus, with the words of peace and truth, to confirm these days, confirm, confirm these days of Purim in their times appointed according as Mordecai, the Jew. Don't miss that. The Jew, the Jew, the Jew. Hey, look, the foreigner is running things in a Persian land. And Esther the queen had enjoined them, both of them together. And as they had decreed for themselves and for their seed, the matters of the fastings and their cry. And the decree of Esther confirmed these matters of Purim. It was written in a book. Now look at verse number 1, chapter 10. And the king Ahasuerus laid a tribute upon the land and upon the isles of the sea. Remember all these 127 provinces he has. Now the islands that are adjacent there too. He's laying a tribute charging a tax, if you would, or a, a fee. Verse number two, in all the acts of his power and of his might and the declaration of the greatness of who? Mordecai. Whereunto the king advanced him. Are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the Medes, of the kings of Media and Persia? Great verse, verse three. For Mordecai, the what? Was next unto king Azure. It's hard to explain how a Jew could rank next to the king. There's only one way to explain it. God had to do it. And great among the Jews and accepted of the multitude of his brethren. Here's what I want you to hear. it. Seeking the wealth of his people and speaking peace to all his seed. Huh? Now, this is not the message tonight, but if I were to develop a message from verse number three and just title it and just preach on a little while, it would probably sound something like this. Remember where you came from. 
Let the church say amen. Father, add thy blessing to the reading of your word. Cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, and fill me with your spirit. Help me to be a blessing. Use the Bible as you have time and time and time and time and time and time again. Do what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. Purim is being established here. This is the feast that is happening. And this feast is established in celebration of God's deliverance of his people. By the way, the New Testament teaches us that the Lord knows how to deliver his people out of temptation and out of tribulation. How many of you are glad that the God of Esther is still the God of today? Amen. Still able to deliver his people out of temptation, deliver his people out of tribulation, deliver his people out of testing, deliver his people out of trying. And I would say to you that the book of Esther is not only showing us historically of how God's people celebrated their deliverance, but it is showing us practically and principally how the deliverance of God should always be celebrated. Let me say this and make sure that we don't miss this. We better be careful, church. We better be careful, Christian. We better be careful, men, women, and boys and girls, that we do not let the deliverance of God pass by so quickly that we don't take time to celebrate it. God is too good to bless us, to move in our lives, to deliver us, to provide for us, to take care of us, to do what we cannot do for ourselves, and it not be celebrated. I'm, I'm looking around at our world today. I'm watching the same news you're watching, looking at the same internet you're looking at. I'm watching as we ride down the road, we look at, we look at what people protest, and we look at what people celebrate, and it seems to me that people are looking for reasons to have celebrations, many of which are not warranted. I mean, people celebrate, every, I mean, they celebrate everything. It used to be you celebrate a year, no, 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 you celebrate a month, and you celebrate two months, you celebrate three months. You ce Everybody's looking for a celebration. It blows my mind how people can celebrate something trivial, something that doesn't matter. Even people celebrate sin. I mean, they celebrate sin. I mean, you look at some of the, the celebrations and the feasts and the parties that are thrown in honor of foolishness, the money that people spend to celebrate sin. Ladies and gentlemen, it puts us to shame that the world will go broke celebrating foolishness and the people of God will not celebrate God's deliverance. So Esther chapter 9 is God saying, quit getting happy about everything and not getting happy about me. Quit celebrating all your feasts and all your enjoyments and all your accomplishments and not intentionally choose to celebrate my deliverance. I'll tell you what celebration does. It brings to recall just how bad it was. It brings to recall just how bad it could have been. It brings to our recollection and realization that were it not for God, things would be so much. Listen, I'm just trying to tell you, I don't know all your business. I don't know all that you've been through. I don't know every story in your life that's happened. We don't tell everything. We don't say everything. We don't share everything. I just know one thing. If you're living in this crazy world and you got this flesh in which dwelleth no good thing, you got this devil that's a liar and a dragon and a murderer seeking whom he may devour, and you're here tonight without knowing your business, I know enough about God that had he not intervened in your life, it would have been a whole lot worse. I'm asking you today, during this week, 
between all your fussing and all your whining and all your complaining and all of this and all the frowning and all the crying out to God about what's not right and what should be different and all that we're facing, did you mark your calendar? Did you take time? Did you on purpose? Did you with a spirit of intentionality say, I will not let three, go, three days go by in a week where God keeps blessing me, God keeps sustaining me, God keeps providing me and not celebrate his good. Did you just hear the song, this is how I praise you for saving me. This is how I praise you for keeping me. I'm telling you, somebody's looking for a breakthrough in your life. God's, you're looking for an end date to your trial, an expiration date to your persecution. I'm saying to you, the best thing you could do for you and your heart and your situation is to celebrate the deliverance of God. Yes, yes. And so it is incorporated, it's established. The deliberate continuation as we came to the end of this, this is to be done. This is to be done often. This is to be done by every generation in every family, every province, every city, that the days of Purim, they were looking at the end of verse 28, should not fail among the Jews, nor the memorial of them perish from their seed. This deliberate continuation, put it down, write it down, put it in the records, make sure it's established, ratify this holiday so that even after you're gone, we're not forgetting what God did. Can I ask you a question? Is there anything that God's done in your rearview mirror that's happened so long ago somehow without even trying you've stopped celebrating it it's just been so long since he did it and this is what's happening this book was so rich so sweet this, this story was so unthinkable so impossible you you can't make this stuff up that this woman who's in this Persian land and she's she's an orphan and she's 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 raised by Mordecai and, and they're hated and this man Haman is trying to destroy him and the decree is in in writing and the gallows have been built and the hanging is set and the date of their demise is already planned out and somehow we get to the end of it Haman's dead his sons are dead they hang on their own gallows and now Mordecai is in charge and Esther is in charge and the king lets them write rules for their own benefit these Jews who are foreigners who were set to die are not only not dead their own people are writing the laws in their best interest how in the world can God be that good and we not celebrate him don't don't you please listen to me don't you let people get you ashamed of testifying don't you let people get you embarrassed about saying the same thing over and over again don't you let your flesh tell you they're tired of hearing it nobody wants to hear me say that same story again talk about that again I mean I just keep I mean if, if every time I talk about it, I keep telling myself I know people let me tell you something you don't tell your story because people want to hear it you don't stop telling your story because people are tired of hearing it you keep telling your story because God deserves it And you are wiring yourself for depression. You are programming, you're programming yourself for a bad mood. You're setting yourself up to walk around with the poochy lips. When you don't on purpose celebrate the goodness of God. He says, 
deliberately continued, Esther, the queen, verse number 29, the daughter of Abihel and Mordecai, the Jew, wrote it with all authority. Confirm it. Confirm it. This is where we ended last night. The decreed confirmation. Verse 30, weeks and weeks ago, rather. Verse 30, he sent the letters unto the Jews, 127 provinces of the kingdom of Hazarus, with words of peace and truth. Verse 31, to confirm, confirm, confirm. Okay, we set the date. We put it down. We sent letters around. Now let's confirm it. These days of perm and the times appointed according as Mordecai the Jew and Esther the queen had enjoined them. And as they had decreed for themselves and for their seed the matters of the fasting and their cry. And the decree of Esther was confirmed these matters of perm and it was written in the book. This is an officializing of a celebration of God and a determination that no matter when we leave, this must Go on. Because the responsibility of us as parents, the responsibility of us as, as, as generational leaders is the responsibility that we not only pass down money, we not only pass down inheritance, we not only pass down family recipes, we not only pass down jewelry, we not only pass down all these other things. We better make sure we pass down to the children. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful to remind them that when I'm long and gone, don't just keep baking my pies and baking my cookies. You keep praising my God. And I'm telling you, folks, if you don't do it on purpose, you're going to not do it unintentionally. Do you hear me? If you don't do it intentionally, you're going to not do it unintentionally. I'm telling you, nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I'm just not going to give God the glory today. I made up my mind. I'm just not going to give God the glory. I ain't going to give God the God don't deserve the glory. And I ain't going to give God the glory. And what God goes. Nobody wakes up and says, I don't want to give God the glory. But the problem is you don't wake up and say, I will give God the glory. And when you don't write it down, I'm not, listen, you can't do it the same way. Obviously, they were making laws, but the principle is here. You have to confirm the decision to do what's right. And it, and it reminds me of the, the consistency of the Christian life. So much of Christianity is, 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 is represented by what we do when the lights are on and when the spotlight is on and, and the big, I made a decision on the altar. I wrote it down on the card. I told people I was going to do it. And we think we can ride upon that. No, 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 no. We've got to confirm decisions that we've made. Just because it was right when you said it at church doesn't mean you're going to live it when you get to home unless you make the decision that was correct confirmed. I'm asking you tonight, what in your Christian life are you confirming? Here's a confirmation. The days of Purim and the times appointed, according as Mordecai the Jew and Esther the queen had enjoined them. I'm, listen, I am troubled and, 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 and nervous that there is a generation of young people that are not confirming what was clearly correct. As a matter of fact, there's almost an intense effort 
to abandon that which is correct. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't just acknowledge what was correct. You confirm what is correct. And when you don't confirm what is correct, the next thing you know, you reinvent what is correct. And now we have a generation of people and leaders in our world that are rewriting correctness. Correctness does not need to be redefined. It needs to be confirmed. Amen. And in this instance, it is the deliverance of God. Notice the, notice the text, please. Verse 31, the decreed confirmation. He said, decreed for themselves and for their seed. Interesting language here, verse 31. The matters of the fastings and their cry. Do, do, do you know what fasting goes along with? Anybody know? Fasting goes along with what? Prayer. Here's what we celebrate. We're not just celebrating what God did. We're celebrating what God did in response to our prayers. Now I'm asking you, you've been saved any length of time. Has he answered any prayers? I hear, I'll tell you what the problem is. We're too busy bemoaning the prayers that haven't been answered instead of celebrating the ones that have. This is a matter of intentionality. Oh, pray for me. I don't have that car. Pray for me. I'm going through this. Pray for me. Ain't nothing wrong with having people pray for you, but you better make sure if you're using all that passion, tell people to pray for you. You better save some to thank God for the prayers he did answer. Their fastings and their prayers. And, and that's what celebration does. It brings to recall all that God. This is why it's highlighted in this passage. Their fastings and their prayer. Verse 32. And the decree of Esther confirmed those matters of Purim. And it was written in a book. So that generations later, said of the group, a body of believers on a Wednesday night in November of 2023 could sit in northern Virginia, three miles south of the Pentagon, years and years later, and could be opening their Bibles and reading the story of Esther and knowing that God intervened when they were going down. It was written. It was ratified. It was scheduled. But God turned things around. Now, what does that do for Crossroads Baptist Church on a Wednesday night? It says to every single believer, you may be facing a scenario that looks bad for you. It may have been written down. It may have been scheduled. The doctors may have said no. The courts may have said no. People may have said no. But because we kept this record in the book, you can be encouraged in November of 2023, if it turned things around for the Jews in Esther, he can turn it around for you. <laughs> wow. The decreed confirmation. Chapter 10 gives us, lastly, we moved from established Purim to, to what I call the exalted person. This is, this, is, this is Mordecai. The book is going to end highlighting Mordecai's position in a kingdom where it was unthinkable he could serve that way. It's just, I said to someone recently preaching, Sometimes we read the Bible so much, we get desensitized to the miracles of God. And we start looking at them with our human eyes 
and listening to them with our human ears and acting like what God was doing in this book happens every day. You don't see stories like, this is a God, this is not, listen, this is not something man can pull off. This, this is not something that comes because of somebody's, somebody's genetics. This is not a Disney movie. There's no way that Esther and the people of the Jews could have been delivered unless the God of the Bible personally intervened. Does anybody have a testimony tonight in your life to say, Pastor, there's no way what happened in my life could have happened unless the God of the Bible intervened. Look at chapter 10. Let me give you a thought. Here he is. He's an exalted person. So here's, 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 here's what the king is going to do, verse 1. He's going to establish a provision. There's an established provision that the king sets, verse number 1. And the king has yours laid a tribute upon the land. Okay? Now, some theologians say, well, I mean, what, 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 what really does this have to do with Esther and Mordecai and the Jews that the king decides to, to charge a tribute on the people? And many theologians just believe it's just an indication of of what delivering the Jews did for the entire Persian economy. Now that you have released these people, you've delivered these people. Hey, listen, see, 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 I don't know if Ahasuerus truly understood it when he did it. I don't know if all those Persians truly understood it when it happened, but clearly they must have understood it now. It's almost like Ahasuerus is saying, look, 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 when I took that demise off those people and I changed what Haman decided to do to destroy them and destroyed him. Listen, listen, when, when, I, when, when I fired who shouldn't have been in charge and I put right who should have, I, I think Ahasuerus is trying to, trying to figure out righteousness exalteth a name. I think he's trying to figure out, you know, everything around here gets better when God's people are treated properly. <laughs> and now the king Many, many theologians believe that it was, it was the act of Mordecai to advise the king to make this tribute. And we can, we, it's not in Scripture, obviously. It's an assumption, but clearly we find out that Mordecai is organizing, administrating what's going on in chapter number 10. Do you remember when we studied the, the book of Genesis? Wasn't it amazing that Joseph was a foreigner coming from somewhere else? He ends up in Egypt. He ends up in Potiphar's house and not one of the boys that grew up in Egypt, but the foreigner that came from somewhere else that was sold by somebody else, betrayed by his brother, ended up in Potiphar's house. And the Bible said Potiphar didn't even know what was in his own inventory. He trusted Joseph. Who trusts a foreigner from another land with your stuff when you won't even trust the people from your land. Listen, there was something Potiphar saw on Joseph that you just can't get from the schools down the town. That's something that, listen, I tell you what Potiphar must have seen. The Lord is with him. And now we see Ahasuerus. He's, he's basically turned his ring over. He's deputized Mordecai with all of his power. 
He's given the authority to do whatever he wants to do. Look, look at chapter number nine. It's, it's all what Mordecai wants to do, what Esther wants to do. Ahasuerus is basically saying, y'all do what you want to do, and I'll stamp it. Y'all do what you want to do, and I'll stamp it. Y'all do what you want to do, and I'll stamp it. Listen, listen, listen. You know you got God on your side when you're in a land where you ain't even from, and the king from a, in the land where you ain't from lets you do what you want to do and stamps it just because you wanted to do it. That's favor. And now, he establishes a provision, a tribute, the tribute on the land. One of these provinces, of these 127 provinces, I mean, he had a broad empire. He, he established it. Now, he's charging tribute of the land, and, and even on the islands of the sea, these other islands that were adjacent to where he was, he's, listen, I'm just telling you, there's a thriving economy that's going on in Persia, and it amazes me that all of a sudden money starts coming in Persia as soon as the people of God get done the right. It's amazing what happens successfully in your life when you get God in the right place. You can run around all you want to and wheel and deal and get, try to get your money right and get your things right and get your health right and get your situations right. And ain't nothing wrong with planning and budgeting and stewarding and, and prioritizing. But I'm just trying to tell you, you're wasting your time trying to get your life together if you won't get God where he belongs. Wow. He established provision. Look at chapter number, verse number two. And all the acts of his power and of his might. And the declaration of the greatness of Mordecai. Whereunto the king advanced him. Wow. Are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Media and Persia? No, no, no. Look, look what the scripture told us. See, see. Verse number three, Mordecai the Jew was next under the king Ahasuerus. Now, let's listen. King said, Wait, not only am I going to let you write the decrees, not only am I going to let you decide what happens, I'm going to rank you higher than anybody in this entire kingdom, and the only person higher than you is me. Folks, listen to me. I just read it in Psalm 75, quoted it. Promotion cometh not from the east or the west or the south, but God is the judge. He riseth up one and taketh down another. Listen, I don't care who you work for. I don't care who the mayor is, the governor is, the president is, the vice president. When I say I don't care, I'm not saying it doesn't matter. I'm just simply saying none of those people ultimately decide your promotion. Your promotion comes from God. And this is amazing to me. That we go from an established provision to an elite position. Do you remember this guy? Early in the book, he's the same guy that won't bow down to Haman. And Haman hates him. And he's what spirals Haman into making a decree to kill all. Haman got mad at Mordecai and decided to kill all the Jews. And somehow this guy goes from being the bane of Haman's existence, goes from being the reason that Haman gets a law to kill the Jews to chapter number 10. He ain't answering to nobody but the king. Do you really believe? 
don't, don't look at me like you're sleepy. Look at me like you hear what I'm saying. Do you really believe that God can take your low on the totem pole self and put you up to the top if he wants to? Then stop acting like it. All hope is lost because some human being said so. Same Mordecai. And I'll tell you what I'm reminded about. He didn't bow to get there. Everybody trying to be elite. The problem is they're willing to cheat to get there. To lie to get there. To compromise to get, to steal, to, to cut corners, to get there. You find me one place in the book of Esther where Mordecai ever dropped his principles, ever compromised his position, ever lowered his character, ever ruined his testimony. He walked straight. And let me tell you something. When you walk straight where you are, God can take you to where you couldn't get on your own. I'd like to challenge the people of God. You're looking for eliteness? You're trying to get all the way up to the top. You're you tired of being down at the bottom. Be careful. For long, you'll be compromising your principles. You'll be doing stuff Christian people shouldn't be doing. You'll be taken from God's time to try to work on Caesar's time to get a position and ain't getting nowhere. You got a bunch of stuff, and when you go look back in the inventory to find it, you can't find it because you didn't realize you put it in a bag with holes. Nobody can make you elite like God can. Don't compromise. Don't change your principles. Stand on God's word. Amen. Our Father, thank you. Thank you for Christian examples like Mordecai challenging us and reminding us. You do not have to give in to the world to be successful. And Mordecai didn't show up for one day or catch one service or read his Bible one day a week or do good one season he learned consistency and you blessed him for it and help us to learn it too and experience your blessings we love you thank you for being God and allowing us to be in your house tonight now continue to help us as we seek to live for you every single